0: Okay, we're back. Damn. Okay, Frank, I have you here, correct?
1: Yes, I'm here. Okay,
0: you got. Well, it. I'll ask you since they're coming back to the call. Hopefully, how difficult is it to have a seal pool and then have it be disappointing? How is the mindset to recover in a major match like this? Is it difficult to recover from knowing? Three of your matches, potentially, are going to be with decks you would not play.
1: It's pretty discouraging. I mean, there's definitely a way to pull yourself back from it, because I think you just have to look at it as, like, if you think you're the better player, you also have an edge. Like, I was at a PTQ, and I thought my deck was awful, but, I mean, I knew there was the potential to outplay people. So, you know, you get that. So... You know, you just look at it and say, "I guess I can try to build this the best I can and see what happens." Because I mean, you don't know what they have either, so maybe they just got junk
0: too. So, what? What if? I mean, I know I know wizards will not do this because it's not cost prohibitive, but would you enjoy? Like, let's just say for some reason they decided at uh, Pro Tour whatever that they were going to do an event where the top eight was super sealed. Would that be fun? Challenging? What would you think?
1: Oh, man, I don't even know. That's well, a...
0: I think
2: it's like this. Magic is a game that anybody can win with equal play skill, right? And I think in a bout like that, it would definitely be more... The, the play skill of everyone would be more of a determination than the what they actually pulled. Because, I mean, as... Most deck builders have proved time and time again, like, between, like, Conley Woods, or our own lovely Frank Lepore here, uh, Chapin, and others. I mean, you can take trash cards and break the format with them.
1: You can. Yeah, that's true. And I, and the thing is, like, when, when you're playing super sealed, like, your pool is so big that, like, you have so many more options when it comes to deck construction. So that your odds of building a deck correctly are just as good as your opponent's <laughs> as of screwing it up, you know?
0: Yeah. In that case where you have the potential of having three decks, because you figure out of a super sealed, you should be able to make at least two really, two good decks and maybe a third.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you determine what the order of the decks would be?
1: Ugh. Oh, I don't even know. Like... I'm glad it wasn't me and someone else in that position for uh for player of the year that's for sure because that I don't envy that position of having to make make decks out of that many that big of a pool basically
0: is it too much
1: i don't I don't know if it's too
0: much but I think it's definitely daunting okay because i was i was wondering about that because I almost it almost gives someone almost too many options but in but in my mind I you know more options is better but that's just me. Uh, if you, if that was you in the final, sir, what would you have been playing in standard? Another puts you on the spot.
1: Yeah, (laughs) really. Um, I, you know, I didn't even think to add red for, um, for the Tezzeret deck. It just doesn't feel necessary because you have sweepers in black and like you have spot removal in black. So I'm not sure why you're dipping into red. Um... I'd probably play the blue black Tezzeret deck that I that I posed in my article two weeks ago.
0: Okay, yeah, I, mean, I mean with,
1: Pil- with Pilgrim's Eyes and, and things
0: like that. Yeah, because it. Is, I mean the the shell of it, the main cards in the shell, the main seven or eight, as you would say, are basically the same. It's a matter of what you fill in difference with red and stuff like that. But the the new the new artifact gives you the ability to have any color you need. So
1: yeah, and that card's
2: yeah, well, that I-
0: card's very good too.
2: Well really the I think the primary reason Chapin included red in the deck was just he was expecting a massive amount of little dude aggro dot deck and you know that's why there's stuff like slagstorm and pyroclasm in here cuz that just absolutely rolls over stuff like cold author red. And then I mean of course there was the the uh, the boros decks that were there where you, you know your biggest guy might be X2. So I, I think that would be the only real reason um with more of a I mean I was, actually I saw your deck Frank and I agree with it it's very strong but I think the reason that Chapin even thought about that was because he might have been expecting a much more aggro meta. But that's in that notion though, it's more of a meta call
3: in my opinion. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Chris, what do you think?
3: Jack's probably right. Um I think Chapin was really expecting a lot of Kaldafa red. Um there were rumors of some people. I know Jack kept I think it was Jack that kept saying, you know, he thought an elf elf deck was gonna show up and there were rumors of that, and he was really well set up to beat those decks with the Pyroclasms and the storms. But I think that he didn't think so much that he was going to see control once he got further into the game, which, I mean, I think he has a better matchup against it just from the deck alone. But I think he didn't plan that far ahead.
1: Yeah, and I guess I was just wondering why he went, like, because Slagstorm is double red, which seems really hard to get. I mean, I know you have Prismatic or Prophetic Prism and Sphere, but, like, I wouldn't want to, like, in, in one of the third game or the last game, I guess, the last constructed standard game they played, like, it, Matanion didn't even have two red on board. It was just, he just had one uh, black Cleave cliff, I think, and that was it. So, I mean, like, I don't want to be put in a position where I need that red and I can't get it. But it just doesn't seem like it's necessary when you have like Ratchet Bomb and all the all the spot removal like Disfigure and stuff the Black has. Plus Black Sun Zenith for three does the same as a Pyroclasm or a slag Storm, and that against Cold K- the Red.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really beginning to think that Black Sun Zenith is going to find some <laughs> really nice homes in the Blue Black control uh, situation. Just because, yeah. like you said, it, it it's removal and it doesn't go away. Once you use your Pyroclasm, it's not coming back. You have the very you have a good opportunity to play that, potentially even get it back your next turn to have it if like they do. Like when I was watching the finals, that uh, Retzel was kind of almost slow rolling some of his cards to make sure that he wasn't going to get board sweeped, that he would hold yeah. on to Squadron Hawks and stuff like that. That in that situation where you sweep his board and he comes back out with Squadron Hawks again, that you have the ability to literally pull that answer again and sweep his board again it's a potential it's a potential win-win situation with that card and I, I i'm beginning to not see where the drawback of this card is but that's just me now uh this weekend uh chris you said you wanted to talk about some of the decks that were uh in paris what else uh, did you yeah talk
3: about um i really, really thought that the deck that uh, lucas blahan and martin usa were running was really interesting the uh Blue Black, uh, called off Forge Master Tesseret deck where they essentially went and got a bullet to kill the deck they were playing. I mean, against Balakit, they had Mind Slaver, uh, against aggro, they had, or I guess that was it was meant against aggro, they had, uh, the battle Battlesphere, and then they had, you know,
0: Blightsteel Colossus just to kill people. That's a interesting, but again, that's really top heavy. You know what I'm saying? That, that's the only thing, is that a lot of the decks are like that are really top-heavy. And, I mean, when you play against Ritzel's Boris deck, I mean, literally, turn three, you could be dead. Yeah. I mean, the game that, that he beat Ben Stark in, I mean, literally, it was like, you know, step-links, fetch land, and he was, like, hitting him for, like, six, seven, eight, and there was nothing he could do. It, it was... And I of course call it evil Boros because I'm not a fan of Boros it's just a personal thing <laughs> uh, what did you guys think about the new version of Kago using the swords and using star forge mystic
1: Frank <laughs> I, I think that deck seems sick uh, the only thing I didn't like was that you have only f- you have four stone forges and only two swords some of them even have only had one sword like some of them just had the sword of feast and famine main so like you're Second, third, and fourth Stoneforge mystics are just one-twos that do nothing. I mean, I guess it's important to get the sword, but, like, I don't know. Maybe I'd, I would have liked to see another piece of equipment in there, maybe.
0: What would be the piece of equipment that you would want to put in there? Is it is it the other sword? Is it is there a another a piece of equipment you think that would work better?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not going to question Ben Stark and Brian no. Kibler and, and all of them, of course. But, like... I don't know. I'd probably personally put the the sort of body and mind in there as well.
0: Okay, and now with the fact that the next one will probably be I think it's red white, correct?
1: Yeah, that seems that seems like it's going to be sick.
0: So, is it possible that the next version of Coggo could be running all three swords in it along with four stone forge mystics?
1: I don't know if you'd run body and mind in that situation because then like you have you don't want the overlap of protection, but you do have then you have black green and then red white. So in the protection from blue, I'm not sure if it's as relevant, okay. but, um, I mean, having, having protection from red and white is pretty ridiculous.
0: All right. Um, Jack, what do you think?
2: Well, it certainly made the price of Stoneforge Mystic go by a hundred percent.
0: Oh, that was, <laughs> that was, that was the top card on Medina's list this week is to find your Stoneforge Mystics and grab a hold of them now. Yeah,
2: and I I gotta say it's uh going. Well, of course, I'll talk about this more when we move actually move on to Medina's list. But um, you know you have a card that was what five bucks maybe at one point, and now it's jumped up to twenty dollars because both aggro and control are utilizing it. Oh gosh, <laughs> I don't even know what to yeah. say to it. I mean the the four stone forges. Um, we're definitely getting into a format where it's. You can't just say, oh, look after Vengevine, or, oh, look after this, or, oh, look after that. Um, we have a lot of little guys that are causing quite a lot of problems now as well. Because when they come to play, they tutor for something, like much like Stoneforge Mystic. Or they just are extremely problematic. And um, I think this, le- this actually goes on to my general theory of, while we are developing a more sophisticated game, uh, we're also developing a game of increasing... Creativity and power creep, I think.
0: Chris, what do you think?
3: Are we talking about Jack's idea now, or... The... Well,
0: well, the the Stoneforge Mystics and so on and so forth. And the, and the Swords. Yeah, I mean, they do have the Silvok Lifestap
3: in the main deck. Or, a lot of them did, I think. I mean, which is a target. It's not particularly relevant if you're not playing aggro. I mean, I guess you can kind of force field with your squadron hops against some big guys, but, um, the only real problem with putting more equipment in is what do you take out? I mean, cause the deck's pretty tight.
0: That's been a good question that, that have been difficult to answer. I, I, you noticed that there were, uh, very few of the spreading seas in the decks. It looks like that's what's been cut from the deck. And Spreading Seas at one time was Completely like... Completely shut down some ducks. Oh, yeah. Valakut, uh, you think of all the man lands that were shut down by it. Now, oh, I'm, Robert,
2: don't even get me started on the threads on Salvation where it was, man, this is stone four, or stone rain for two, and it draws. It's totally broken.
0: And and just and getting back to Chris's comment about the life staff in the aggro matchups, that was a beautiful card because not only did it do plus one zero who would have thought a common a common would be seeing play at a pro tour event like that i mean that like uh, first of all equipment when people see equipment people laugh at equipment oh equipment's for timmy's equipment's for you know that those those are for people who you know play casual magic well
2: people laugh at equipment like this let's clarify that now okay because i mean i wouldn't necessarily call stuff like argena marmor or stuff like that for timmy's well,
0: but what i'm saying is jack Outside of your sealed event, who would have put a life staff in a deck competitively?
2: I will honestly say this. Some people thought about it in fairies until they realized that uh, Vampire Nighthawk was a much better solution. But
0: absolutely nowhere. I mean, really. That's what I mean by the fact that it it just shows you how much work that these guys put in to decks. And and I want to bring that up. We're going to jump ahead a little bit here just because of that. Uh, Frank, your article this week uh, talks about um, artifacts and decks and so on and so forth. Before we get into the article, uh, how difficult is it to design an article slash an article about deck building that's a competitive deck build to put together? And you have to do this like constantly. How difficult is that?
1: Every week, it's not. It's. It's not easy, but you find yourself thinking about magic more. Like during the week, I'll just like while I'm at work or, you know, driving, I'll just think about card ideas and how, you know, they can they'd work or, you know, what works and standard what's not being played. It's just you definitely find yourself thinking of magic more when you're forced to come up with topics each
0: week. Uh, Now, Jack, you you have fun with decks, right? You you say what? You tinker with decks all the time, right? for
2: fun. Oh, gosh, yes. I mean, like, it, whether it's EDH or it's... I'm trying to figure out why the hell people thought Devastating Summons was so good and Cold Author Red until I actually tried it. I mean, yeah, when I'm not thinking about other things I'd rather be writing about, yeah, I tinker with deck list and strategy all the time. Uh,
0: and, Chris,
3: what about you? I have an archive on my computer of deck lists that I have created. Um, I just randomly will be like, oh, this is a cool idea, and then you'll type it up, and nine times out of ten, yeah, you end up looking at it, and you're like, oh, this is trash. But that one time out of ten, you get something really cool, and that could lead somewhere.
0: I'm going to use a perfect example of a deck that would never see light outside of a casual game. Uh, I actually have it in my hand here, because as much as I love using uh, computer formats to do stuff, I'm actually one of those people that actually like to tangibly hold the cards in my hand to actually see how it works. Um, I have my version of a Red-black Pyromancer's Ascension deck, which is not real competitive at all, but the idea of what my thought was here. Four Comet Storm, four Lightning Bolts, four Burst Lightning, four... Um, I keep forgetting the name of this card. I apologize. I have it written on here. Uh, it's not Terror. It's the uh, Doom Blade, four Searing Blaze, and for fun, because it's a casual format, four Breath of Malif- Malif- Malifor. Which deals five damage to each opponent. Which, in my case, when you're playing against when you're playing two-man teams, it does ten damage for five.
2: <laughs> Sir, you should be ashamed of yourself
0: <laughs> for not running lightning. You know what? <laughs> you know what I put in there instead of lightning, because the the quote our little meta game they're creature happy. I run slave of Bolus, so that's I can, good.
2: okay. Yeah, you you know what? <laughs> yes, the, I can say that's an adequate. Uh, solution but at the same time did you think about lightning though did you test it
0: uh, I've thought about Blightning. The, the the problem is is my little meta game they're not they don't
2: I love that you say my little meta game it sounds like something I'd turn on like Nickelodeon and see <laughs> especially since I've been watching a lot of my little pony lately because it's the only thing that's on at four in the morning oh. don't laugh at me but anyways you were saying
0: uh, the the fact is is that in our case Our group is that they don't, they're not real into card advantage. Like, literally, they'll play themselves out of cards and be top drawing. So, having them discard cards a lot of times is absolutely useless because they will play it out literally. If they have a card to play, it'll be out there. So, like, I'm the only one that really worries about having cards in hand and drawing extra cards and stuff like that and, and then they wonder why the the one card that they've yet to wrap their minds around is rhythmic study. <laughs> Whenever an opponent plays a spell, draw a card if that play unless that player plays one, they never pay the one. And I'm constantly, every turn I'm getting two extra cards. And they're wondering, why are you worried about all these cards? And then I keep trying to explain to them that the more cards you have, the more opportunities you have to play something but doesn't wrap up. More
2: cards in like, your hand, more prize winnings, more money, more ladies.
0: Better not Usually say that
2: because no. my wife doesn't really
0: appreciate <laughs> that more ladies thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the whole prize money thing, yeah, okay, no, no,
2: no, no. Well, one of these days, Robert, you just you got to stay with this red-black Pyromancer's Ascension deck. In <laughs> one day, I'm telling you, when you least expect it, like I might even be in the same city. And there'll be a two-headed giant event for like $10,000. Oh, wow. I'll have your back, man. I'll have your back.
0: I appreciate it. And then when Frank plays control on me and counters every spell i have He'll laugh at me <laughs> hey I'll,
2: I'll, buy, I'll be the first one to buy the round later that night then
0: <laughs> i believed in you rob but sometimes it's just how the cards fall and then when frank plays his tesserit deck that he's going to talk about in a minute and when i'm spiraling off these little spells that do three points at a time and i'm not drawing enough cards to make it matter and he's popping out Tesseret and all these little five fives at me that i can't kill uh, frank will now explain why that's going to work let's talk about your article
1: um, which one the last week or this week this week's um, this week which uh, there was two de- there were two decks one was the time sieve deck and one was
0: the master transmuter deck yeah I'd, I'd like to talk about the time sieve deck personally because that's that's another one of my favorite cards and I want to yeah, see I, how you make it work I
1: actually haven't heard anyone talking about time sieve this this season and the reason obviously is because you know it wasn't very good but I think with Um Mirren and besieged out it gets a little better. Uh, there's just not that many decks playing like Thoughtseize. Like I think fairies is like the only deck with thought in it that's really seeing a lot of play. Um, I think Icker Wellspring also puts the deck over the top a little bit because it's I was I was goldfishing it and playing against other players and like a lot of times if you get you can get like two Icar Wellsprings you'll draw two you can time sieve sack five and then you'll draw two more. Then take your next turn. You know, draw however many you draw on that turn. If you have Howling Minds out,
0: and you just draw like a million cards. Something again, people that uh, people don't know enough about is card advantage. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I, I wish I wish I could pound into people's head more. I you you hear the call that now that, and we'll bring that up and we talk about uh, Flores's top ten cards. That actually, there was an argument. I think it was on Twitter or something like that. That preordain isn't as good of a card as it seems. Last time I checked, preordain's a pretty on good card. <laughs> you know, uh, but um,
2: it's not. seem it didn't see play in Paris at all, Robert. I, no, don't,
0: know. I, don't, I don't know what you're know. talking about. No. Uh, now you also, Frank, going back to your article again, uh, Master Transmuter.
1: Um, well, there was a Jacob Van Lunen article. It was a Building on a Budget article in Daily MTG. Mm-hmm. And he had a basic list for Master Transmuter, but I think a lot of the choices were, were budget-based. You know, like, you're not going to put the more expensive cards in because that's not who your audience is. So, like, I just started testing it because I think there's a lot a lot of potential there. I mean, it has a lot of the same synergies as, like, Fairies does, where each of your cards makes the other stronger. Um, and I think... It, it, like. it there's so many must-counter spells. Like, you kind of have to counter Grand Architect, you kind of have to counter Transmuter, but then you kind of have to counter, like, Sphinx Summoners and Tezzerets. You know, like, there's like a million cards that you don't want to see. And almost all the cards are two-for-ones. And so I noticed he had four Lodestone Golems on the sideboard. And uh, there were two matches he played. There were, He played a Valakut match, and he played a fairies match. And both of those he brought in all four Lodestone Golems, you know, post-board. And I was like, "This guy seems like he's really good right now. Like, if you can get a turn three Lodestone Golem, like that's that's really hard for decks to deal with. Five mana cryptic commands, three mana spells that are sprites.
0: Yeah, the price of the price of poker gone up a little bit after that uh, with that kind of card. I've always." Is it because it doesn't have enough toughness that it didn't see play, or? I
1: think so. I think like they, you know like it's a format with lightning bolts and searing blazes, and and I, th- I think it's because standard is just too dangerous for creatures. Like you just don't want to play fragile creatures in standard.
0: Okay, um, that was interesting. Jackie you changed your picture.
2: Yeah, I know, how dare I take down my masculine visage, but Frank, I would like to say one thing about your list you have posted on your article. You have two of my favorite cards in here, and for that I must give you major, major props. Uh, Shroom undoubtedly has probably won you a couple of games on her own.
1: Oh, I, I, and... I've put that call ever since it was legal and standard, actually. And how badly
2: I wish Spine of Issa
1: actually did not go back to your
2: hand after it goes back to the graveyard, because then you could use it in time, Steve, and it would be bloody amazing.
1: But oh, yeah, with then, the nature yeah, of
2: this... Yeah, oh, go
1: back. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Oh yeah, Open the vault, back, or what have you.
2: Oh, yeah, and then it would just be amazing. But it probably makes the perfect sideboard card for dealing with everything from planeswalkers to pesky lands like Valakut, right?
1: Yeah, and that's why I stuck it in the sideboard. He originally had it in the main... But there was just too many times where like, and especially because of, of Extended itself, it, one, killing one permanent isn't really going to change things. Like you can kill one permanent in Fairies and they still have six tokens, or you kill one permanent in uh, Prismatic Omen. and I mean, I guess it has to be the Prismatic Omen at that point. But then they still have Valakuts, they still have Cryptic Commands, Wargates. You know, like, it's
0: it's usually just too slow. I noticed you have Leyline of Sanct- Sanctity in there.
1: Yeah, that was actually, I mean, he had four in the board, and it just seems perfect right now, because, like, it, it counters Valka. They have to have the Cryptic Command for it. It counters Thoughtseize. It counters Mistbind Click. It counters Vendillion Click. Like, it. it's really good against Mono Red, because they can't Searing Blaze you, Lightning Bolts you, Burst Lightning you. Like, it's just it's, it's a really good catch-all spell. And you can, like, you can cast it, or you can just put it into play for free.
0: I also like you have Graveyard Hate, too, with spell Spellbomb.
1: Yeah, and that's really good, because there's some, like, it's for, also, Mono Red has, like, Hell's Thunders and Hellspark Elementals, and if if Time Sieve did become a threat, you can just get rid of their graveyard. And also, let's
2: not forget stuff like Vengevine, either.
1: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't see that much play, but, like, who knows, you know, like, just, you don't want to get blown out by some Vengevines. And there's two Trinket Mages in the board, too, just so you can board them in and have, like, a little package. Now, did
0: you, have you used the uh,
1: the adjusticator? No, actually, he was just a last-minute inclusion. I just figured, like, and and this is what I said in my article, there's not a lot of removal right now that kills artifact creatures in Extended. Like, a lot of people are going to be swapping out their their Doomblades for go for the throats, and that leaves what that can deal with a 4-4? I mean, a kicked burst lightning and a grasp of darkness, basically. So like I'm just thinking that guy seems good like he can get rid of bitter blossom, he can get rid of prismatic omen, sun titan, bane slayer, you know. I just I just stuck him in there as a one of cuz I was I had an extra slot in the sideboard, so
0: okay. And then uh, the other card that I really like in it that w- works great with master transmuter is sphinx of the steel wind.
1: That card is ridiculous. Um initially there was um something else in the main deck I'm not sure what it was but uh, I was I was playing against fairies all night me I was just testing the deck against fairies like back to back to back to back and every time I searched for something I wished I had Sphinx of the steelwind in the deck because as soon as it got into play I won on the spot like they just they literally have no answer for it they can bounce it with cryptic command but usually you're just cheating into play anyway so you just cheat it back into play. And the thing with Master Transmuter is that if you return a creature to your hand, you can just replay that same creature. It doesn't have to be a different one. So if they target it with Cryptic Command, you're just like, return it, put it back into play. Did
2: you give any thought to uh, perhaps Inkwell Leviathan? I know at one point this was actually used in Transmuter decks.
1: Yeah. Um, he's actually a good a good legacy target, so yeah, I was looking at him too, but I wasn't sure what deck you know he was really better against. Right. Right. You know, I like having the, like, the Mere Battlesphere is really good because it makes multiple targets. Uh, I like that you can also attack with Mere Battlesphere and kill a Planeswalker if you have to, which is nice because right. you can just tap your guys. Uh, Platinum Imperion is really good because if they don't have removal, like Mono Red has a hard time dealing with Platinum Imperion because they just can't kill him, and then they, therefore, they can't kill you. Uh, Shroom is obviously amazing, and then Worm Coil Engine, you know, another good target for, like, uh, Mono Red or, you know, whatever. You know, just because you gain life pretty quick, and he's big enough to to withstand a lot. But I couldn't see a place where where I would want, um, what's his name, the Leviathan? Ink Leviathan, yeah. Ink Leviathan over, you know, the other guys. Well, that is true now that I think more
2: about it, because, I mean, what are you going to play him against? Like, fairies or the, the random blue-white decks that are going to be an extended? And many times when you poof him into existence, he's going to be dead in the water.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And no pun intended. But <laughs> I didn't even guess that. Oh wow! <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically because like there was just there were so many situations where you need the life gain from Sphinx of the Steel Wind, or you need the bodies from your Battle Battlesphere, or you need the ability of of Platinum imperion that like, you know, they were just way more necessary.
0: The other card I want to talk about that I really like is Shimmermere.
1: That guy is amazing. I like when I saw him in uh, in the list originally. I was just like, wow that's perfect because in in extended especially like you want to be able to go end of their turn play a guy and there were times where I could just tap two more blue guys and play something else at the end of their turn and if they if, if they counter that guy then you're free to play whatever you want on your turn like there'd be turns I'd go turn two ethereum sculptor turn three grand architect and you know I'd be tapped out but at the end of their turn I can still tap both of those guys or even one of those guys because it's, its cost is reduced and then play a free shimmermere You know.
0: Okay, I'm going to ask this question because because uh, Shroom has been a very popular EDH uh, deck card commander card.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay. So then, explain to me why this card is only why this card's available for two and a half bucks only if it's that good.
1: I don't know, but every time I play it, it's just so good. I, I don't
0: know how it's not Because not enough people have read
2: my fan fiction I wrote about her, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we actually we got to write off to a 5K together, and it was – I don't want to say it was one of the more beautiful moments of my life, <laughs> but it was so beautiful I had to write fiction about it. So, And even the <laughs> fiction and the words I used did not even capture the enormity of our love together.
1: This sounds, this sounds pretty romantic. PG Jack, PG. Or creepy. <laughs> uh, awkwardly romantic, then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, so, have you have you checked on the price of a foil one, Robert? Uh,
0: no, no. I'm going. I'm going to GP Denver, and one of my ante- one of my cards I'm trying to get from our friends at Channel Fireball, who will be there. Tristan will be there himself, actually. Is I'm hoping to get one of these because I would like to make. I'd like to attempt to make a commander deck.
2: Mm. Ooh, then uh, if you do somehow manage to get a hold of one, I've actually got like three or four if you want me to just, you know, mail you one, Robert. Okay, nudge, nudge. Uh. Um, definitely hit me up because I played Shroom as my commander for about two and a half
0: years, so. Okay, because just, he just looks really sick, and I, I was just, it's one of the decks when people play Shroom, they go, oh. You know, you get the comment, oh. Sure. Well, that the problem is
2: you're in three of the best control colors as well as three of the best combo colors.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: But, like, with this deck, like, you have four Sphinx Summoners, which is so insane because, like, if they kill any of your big guys, yeah. you can just tutor up a Shroom, play it, and then get the big guy back. And it's, like, it comes into play. It's not even going to your hand. So, like, if it's a six or seven drop, you're just, like, free six or seven drop. Go. And, and Sphinx Summoner,
0: another card, it's, like, A dollar. It, it Again, I sometimes I wonder sometimes about how the prices of cards go, which I'll talk yeah. about more about. Well, I feel
1: like the, the deck is basically the best dollar rares you're not playing.
0: <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> you know, the best dollar rares you're not playing. Like the other one that I really like that I've seen a lot in decks like this is the elerks of Immortality. Gain five life, which is always critical, but you're able to take your graveyard put it back in your library.
1: He actually, he had, one of the, he had one of those in the main deck, but I just, I kept, I, and he had two Trinket Mages main too, but every time I got them, I was just like, I don't want to get anything with this guy. Like, I just didn't want the Elixir because it was going to be too slow or too irrelevant at the time, hmm. and I would have just rather have it be, like, bigger creatures. Like, I would rather have a mirror, because ba- you're, you're able to accelerate so quickly. Like, with that example I gave earlier with the turn two Sculptor, turn three Grand Architect, on turn four, you have four lands. Two creatures that'll each tap for two, so that's eight mana, plus the discount from Ethereum Sculptor, which is nine mana on turn four.
0: Well, you know, it, I mean, it's not like. I mean, Mere Battlespear is a $2 card. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, Frank, I think your deck, if you took Tezzeret out of the deck, I think your deck might be $100. <laughs> I but think that's, that's awesome pretty, there. <laughs> That's well, awesome,
2: though, isn't it? I mean, like, it's a competitive deck that works and functions perfectly that you can build for under uh, less than hundred bucks.
0: All right. Well, let's yeah. let's let's say you had to remove Tezzeret from the deck, and I know it really hurts because the theme of the deck just lives and dies for Tezzeret. What would you play in there for someone who's trying to make this on a budget?
1: Instead of Tesseract?
0: Yeah. Would you um, go two more mere Battle spears
1: would No, that, I don't think you need multiples of any of the actual like the big casting cost guys. I think you'd rather have versatility in different ones. Um, jeez. You know, I'd probably. Oh, are we still? You still? Yeah, good? we're here. We're here. Okay, just checking. Oh, that was just a thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, I'd you'd probably, I'd probably put the spine back in, and maybe one steel the, the steel Hellkite in.
0: Okay. So, uh, all right, Chris, what do you think about the deck?
3: I've kind of been staring at it for like 10 minutes while you guys have been talking silently. <laughs> and the more I look at the deck, the more I like it. Like at first I was like, ah, Shimmermere, that card's not very good. But then I look at the deck and I'm like, wow, Shimmermere's really good. I like it. Keep looking at it then.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're going to boost Frank's ego by the end of the night you know he'll have no, I, I, and like
1: the thing was like we tested for like four hours and like I, the deck was so fun to play I just kept wanting to shuffle it and kept wanting to play it and it's funny because when you play a Shimmer Mirror you can actually literally just play your land and then pass the turn and then that's it and then they're like oh you didn't do anything and then they, when they pass back you're like end of your turn Sphinx Summoner and then what do they do do they counter that Sure, and then you're free to do whatever you want on your turn, you know? It just gives you a lot of advantage against the counter matchups.
0: You know, there was a card that I went through my collection and I found, I forget the name of it right now, and it's you may cast uh, artifact spells. It was an actual, like, just uh, an artifact. that You may cast artifact spells, though they had flash at any time. And I, and I when I saw this one, I thought, it's got legs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like... We were arguing about. Uh, wait a minute. What about putting? Uh, if you don't do that, what about putting uh, uh, the Phyrexia Ravager in there instead of the two Tezars for a bargain card? Wait, which one? What the is revoker? that? Revoker? Is it the Revoker, the one that's oh, two, the, one the two and... one? Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, that could be good. Um. What's what specifically would you want to shut down, though? Is is my question?
0: Well, if you're playing against the opponent, like a, a sideboard card for. Like, if you know what your opponent's playing after game one, you bring it in, you're gunning for a certain card they're going to play against you.
1: Yeah, okay, I can see that. Because, I mean, I actually tried to play that guy in Standard, but then I was like, there's nothing I want to target with this guy.
0: No. And really? the big,
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing you want to target is Jace, really. Yeah. And then you're playing Jace, too, usually. So <laughs> You're like, well, I'll just wait, I guess, until you kill this guy to play my Jace.
0: That is, that is one of the things that I saw that, on the tour coverage, I'm jumping backwards, was the Jace to kill the other Jace scenario.
1: Yeah, Jace has become Umizawa's Jete now. (laughs) We (laughs) just play him in the board just to kill the (laughs) opponent's Umizawa's Jete.
0: Oh, man. Uh, But yeah, that, that was interesting. Now, is there anything else on your article you'd like to talk about? About the builds or the decks or the pots? Um... No, I think I think that's about it. I mean, it's just it's a really
1: fun deck. If you guys get the chance to sleeve it up and play it, like you definitely should. I mean, it might not be I don't know if it's tier 1, I'll be honest with you. But it it against fairies, I was 100% 50-50. Like no lie, it was it was a very 50-50 matchup.
0: Considering fairies is the big bad beast out there right now. Yeah. Not a bad thing to have a 50-50 matchup against them. I was wondering, well, you turn Chris into a fan in it, and he just you know, spent 10 minutes staring at it. So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, next on our notes, which i kind of been jumping around with, is um, Patrick Chapin, top eight. Again, this would be his fourth, fifth if you include the Junior Series. Uh, with his Tezzeret deck, I'm going to make the argument that people getting into the Hall of Fame, yeah, granted, you need the 100 points and da 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 the 10 years and blah, blah, blah. I also should make the case that this should be the year that he should at least get his percentage up significantly higher, get in, and my reason behind it is this. One of the problems with the voting is is they don't look at what contributions they make to Magic. Magic right now is so different than it was 10 years ago where there was one or two people you know putting articles out once in a while and writing books maybe occasionally now you have people like chapin's next level magic book the articles he writes the decks he helps design and builds there's a an, and his personality i personally think after this top 8 this should make him in I'll let you gentlemen argue for or against my thoughts. And actually, we're going to go the other way. We'll start with you, Chris. What do you think?
3: I'm going to agree with you. I think Patrick Chapin is doing a lot for the game. He really pushes. Um, if you listen to the episode of the A Team where they had him on there, he really pushes for magic. He just loves magic. He loves the game. He wants to succeed. He, um, he's magic's probably number one fan. Um, and all the work he's done with his book and community building and all the articles that he writes and logging and all that stuff. I think that that needs to be taken into consideration along with the fact that he's just a really good player. Um, he's got the top eights, he's got the work, he's got the personality and he's got the fame where he really should have a really good shot at getting in.
0: I'm going to jump in real quick before you go there, Jack. Um, I just finished up a a in magic interview with Ari Lax and off air, He told me a story about Patrick Chapin that literally another case of this is who Patrick Chapin's personality is and how it's so dynamic, and it was making me laugh and realizing that there are so many people that he's affected like this that that's another reason why I think he should get in, but go ahead, Jack. All right, well, just
2: for a brief moment, gentlemen, um, let's pretend that Patrick Chapin is not the enormously successful player that he is. But let, let's just consider what he has given to the game, okay? Based on that alone, um, while I am neither an enormous fan of Patrick Chapin or an enormous noticer of the Hall of Fame, just the fact that Chapin has put in that much work, he deserves some sort of recognition for it. Okay. It really pisses me off that when we come to the hall of fame, it's, it's always about like, uh, how much work you put in play wise. No, that's, uh, honestly, that's BS dude. Like there ought to be something for people who have spent all this time pushing for the game and trying to just get the game out there and get the game noticed, sacrificing their own time when they could have been doing, you know, God knows what else. And, They don't get anything for it. Like, yeah, Patrick Chapin should definitely get a head nod this year or whenever they hold the next voting for it. Frank?
1: Uh, I have to agree. I think it's unanimous here. Like, and and it's funny because just talking about it, it gives me the image of like Patrick Chapin is looking into a restaurant, like a really fancy restaurant. And he's in tatters. And he's just like begging at the window, and then there's like Brian Kibler and Gabriel Nassif and like John Finkel, and they're all like having a toast, and they're wearing suits on the inside, and Patrick Chapin's just looking in, you know. And it's sad because like he's with those guys, you know, like he's the he's the face of the game, and it's it. I don't I don't think the the Hall of Fame should be based simply on playing accolades. It should also be based on on your contributions to the game.
0: Well, I. I... And like I said, there have been there have been counterpoints to it also about the fact that, you know, it's consistency and so on and so forth and yada yada yada. What people forget is they look at the top eights and they look at the wins. What they don't look at is how many top sixteens, how many top thirty twos, how many top sixty fours are there? The difficulty of even making and Frank you can you can relate to this, how difficult it is even to make a top sixty four in a tournament.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, 64 out of what, 2,000, 3,000? Like, that's a pretty pretty big accomplishment.
0: Yes, and it's not like it was back in the day, and I know if Chris was on, he'd be, Chris Atwell on, he'd be like touting that, oh, no, no, it was significantly harder back then, and blah, 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 but we won't go there. It With 2,000 people, to even make day two yeah. is challenging enough. I just it, it fascinates me how people overlook things and don't look at the whole body of work. But you know, then again, no, none of us here currently have a vote for the pro tour, pro tour Hall of Fame. So, but again, well, I, by
2: God, I'm running for one.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I'm just running for what Tom gets on Monday night M- magic. He gets the swag. I mean, you know, is it's it's the fact of hosting your own show should get you some stuff from wizards. Well,
2: Robert, I I don't get swag, but I get wonderful poetry from our listeners. He, we'll get into that later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the creepy mail, but uh, Tom gets the swag. I think there's some sort of disparity in the chain of command there.
0: He also gets cards made for him, okay?
2: Yeah. Well, there's I mean, not- I've had cards made for me. Well, not especially for me, but no. yeah. Uh, I
0: get cards in every set for him. Ooze, 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 <laughs> Okay. all right um mike flores (laughs) let's let's get off the subject mike flores uh in his article this week he talks about the top 10 cards in standard i and i'm wondering if anybody has any change on this list i mean they're pretty standard jace the mind Stone stoneforge mystic primeval titan tezzeret preordain there's preordain sword of feast and famine valakut tectonic edge squadron Hawk and spreading seas does anybody have a card on this list that they would remove for another card
1: I don't I don't think so
2: Jack hmm about the only thing I would say I would even consider dropping um, especially in the wake of the results from Paris might be Primeval Titan. I mean, that's that's a really hard guess to say there, though, because I've just gotten back into Standard, and I've not actually encountered a enormous amount of Valakut. But uh, based on my own experience with the format, again, I would say maybe Primeval Titan. But that's it. Chris? And of course, if you get rid of oh, Primeval Titan, you can get rid of Valakut, too. Okay.
3: Chris? No, I don't think there's anything I'd take off the list, but I think it's really interesting how a lot of the cards on the list feed off of each other. Like primeval yeah. titan and valakut, and uh, tectonic agents, spreading seas and valakut. Yeah. Um, they're all like designed to combat with each other or go with each other, and you know stoneforge mystic and, and sort source, of piece yeah. of famine, yeah. And there's the fact that the top ten cards affect each other so much is really interesting. I mean, it's probably what makes standard a healthy format
0: isn't that great design when the top 10 cards can interact well with each other? I mean, isn't that, isn't that what magic's supposed to be about where they, where great cards can interact with one another. And I mean, you look at Preordain; that's a common, uh, you, you know, you, you have tectonic edge. That's, that's a, that's, that's an uncommon, right? That was an uncommon, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, yep. Squadron Hawks is a common spreading seas is a common, uh, Mystic is a rare, uh, you know, it's not like this is a list of all mythics. You know, it's not like ten mythics and you know three planeswalkers or four planeswalkers and you know the rest of them are all these ninety hundred dollar cards. I mean, you have two expensive cards, and the rest are reasonable. And who would have ever thought that Squadron Hawks would have? I think there was what twenty eight Squadron Hawks in the top eight deck list. Yeah, it was it was something mm-hmm. ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, I first looked at that card and I said, who in the hell would play this card? Yeah, you look
1: at it and you're like, well, that's cute.
0: Yeah. So it gets a bunch of 1-1s out. Okay, fine. <laughs> Pyroclasm. Well, I think
2: Brian Kibler was also probably the first person that looked at it and was kind of like, hey, if I pay two, I'm actually drawing three cards out of my deck. Ah, may, well, maybe that would be good for control. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, I think, I think it from just three. looking at this list, yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. I I think just from looking at this list though, um there's certainly if anything, this shows how um like I was saying earlier, how much more creative people have gotten. Because who would have ever thought about running Stoneforge Mystic in blue white control? Let's be perfectly frank. Yes,
1: I, let's be me.
0: Yeah, let's be frank. No, no, I'm still <laughs> so, come on.
2: I, I, I solemnly swear to not make another pun so long as this broadcast is going
1: on. <laughs> they're all they're literally all te- unintentional. It's when they, the they have
2: been sucks. because I'm way too tired and not clever enough to plan any of these out ahead of time. <laughs> uh, like, if I had planned them out, just now as I finished saying time, I'd be like, but let's see even to the next discussion.. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> it's so cheesy and terrible and i feel bad but anyway so uh now that we've talked about that what about gavin Verhey's article did anybody get a chance to peruse it this evening
3: uh
1: the one from
2: this week
0: the yep. one full of the ideas. one about
1: uh, being famous and you know how do you how do you promote yourself in the magic community yes that yeah one. yeah i read that earlier this week actually it's pretty good i mean gavin's really gavin's good at like uh taking on obscure topics and making them interesting. Like topics that everyone's really curious about, but no one really knows how to ask about, I think.
0: Well, well, think about it this way, Jack. You've experienced this. This is you.
2: Actually, um...
0: This is you. He wrote this article about you. How to become famous he, in magic. He did.
2: Yeah, but you he know? left out the part about chronic alcoholism and, <laughs> like...
3: Uh,
0: anyways, but no, what I was going to
2: say is... Uh, Speaking of somebody that has actually done other stuff, too, rather, and I'm sure, Frank, you've had experience with this yourself with your writing, is um, you if you really want to get the readership, you have to advertise yourself and get yeah, out you there really and get you. The name. Yeah, like it's, and it's much easier than it used to be, thanks to social networking and especially Twitter, which I absolutely loathe with a passion. Okay, I hate Twitter so freaking bad, but everybody in the Magic community uses it, so I have to. Social networking has made getting yourself out there so much easier. Um, I used to help write a webcomic about two or three years ago, and it's it, – it literally, like, the webcomic was so unsuccessful, I cannot even tell you what it was about or what the name of it was. But uh, me and the guy that were Sounds doing like it, we had – Oh, yeah, it, it was it, – it's like earlier with the showroom discussion, it, words cannot entirely capture the enormous artistic value that it had. And if I tried, I would just fail. But uh, like it was so difficult to just get even like three people or like a handful of people to read it. And then we were like, well, hey, let's use social networking. And then I realized that I didn't care anymore, so I gave up on it. Um, But if you want to be good in magic, you really first of all, it's like one of the tips you mentioned, which just visibility. Just go to these tournaments, get out there, get on Twitter and talk about your results. Don't be afraid to talk about failure. Don't be afraid to talk about success. You just have to get out there, people. And I thought it was a very good article
1: yeah that's true like one of the things I'm concerned about is like annoying people like when I when I advertise my articles I'm just like I don't want people to hate me and be like this is obnoxious I don't care about this but you just gotta do it anyway I guess Frank so, there's no such thing as too thing. much attention boring I guess that's true and like all, all yeah. press is good press I guess so
0: well, see now we're working on it right here think of the power of Twitter right now we'll use one of our co-hosts here as the power of Twitter Magician 12, hey, how do I become a part of the show? How do you let me come on the show? What did you do? What did you do, Chris? I just emailed you guys.
3: I wrote you an email that I thought was pretty good with some ideas. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm a cool guy. You should let me on. That's not exactly what I wrote. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell all my secrets.
0: Yes, but, then it, <laughs> but, it, but it shows you the power of Twitter and the power of just having – Coherent sentences.
2: <laughs> yeah, Which, I, I would like to step in right here before we do, we go on even further with the social networking. If you are going to try being, try and be magic famous, proper grammar, syntax, syntax usage, and a basic knowledge of the English language is required before you try any of this.
0: You sure it's not optional?
2: <laughs> well, considering some of my blog entries, it would lead you to believe so, but yes. Uh, <laughs> See, I don't even know if of- that's...
0: Oh, oh, go good. ahead.
1: Finish. No, go ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't even know if that's true because look how many followers John Medina has.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, hashtag B A M F that John. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty
1: sure. I'm pretty sure that burn was legit.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. We we like John on this show. Come on.
1: <sighs> no, I, I love John. He's a good guy.
0: Well, he's given you plenty today on Twitter alone. So, oh man, it never ends. (laughs) Uh, There's always been two things that I've always. (laughs) Oh, Jack. Uh, (laughs) uh, There are two things that uh, now you made me completely forget what I was going to (laughs) say.
2: I have a bad habit of doing that, yeah. There, okay. See, what most of our listeners at home don't catch is I am constantly tweeting and chatting with people while we're doing the podcast, much to the chagrin of Robert.
0: And, and these little boxes pop up on my screen every time someone types something in Twitter. And, of course, Jack had to say something hilarious and cut me off at the pass. What I was going to say is, Jack, if there's two... Or Jack, uh, Frank, there's two things to think about it this way. When you were young and... There was a girl that was interested interested in you. She did one of two things. Oh, she either, she either completely ragged you and harassed you and called you bad names, which meant she liked you, or she completely didn't know you exist. So I think there might be something here with John that we don't know about. Well, I mean, like if this is true,
1: then I think John Medina has the biggest crush on me in history. <laughs>
0: Oh man, oh, John, we love you. So you know, we'll have you back on the show anytime you want to defend to defend your uh, defend your comments or defend your tweets. Uh Um, oh, GP Denver is this weekend, and Jack will be What back. is that? Is that standard? That's that's sealed. Is that's it sealed? sealed? Yes, that is sealed.
1: Man, I don't even know. I don't, I can't even keep up with all the the different formats that they switch to okay. what's dallas do you guys know what dallas is dallas is standard Did yeah see look at that like they went from like stand or extended to sealed to standard well like, go ahead go on. no go ahead you're saying no i'm just gonna say like there's no like season to it there's like like PCQs. you're like this is extended season if you go to a PCQ, you're gonna be playing extended grand prix uh, this year are just like eh, it's whatever we feel like at the time
0: well i have to say that uh well, the cool thing about Denver is is that uh, it's hard to test for seal. I mean, you can open packs and
1: yeah, you could like true. you
0: could do it online. I mean, there's plenty of applications where you can run it for free. Uh, it's tough because you look at the fact of what is the deck, what is it going to be, and how's it going to go. And I look at I look at this as wide open, but I also look at this like we talked about earlier, Frank, where you said. You don't necessarily have to have the best cards. You just have to know how to play them. Yeah, and that's very true. So is this a case of we won't see the the top eight for this? Are we going to see your normal people in the top eight, or are we going to see a couple of people that might sneak in there that you're going to be going, who is this? Or is this going to be a a top eight of, like, oh, okay, it's Paul Ritzel, it's Ben Stark, you know, it's kind of Chapin.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's still going to be those guys, but that's because those guys are really good at, at figuring out what works, you know? And plus, it's a lot easier to test for Sealed when you have, like, ten of those guys in a room together just brainstorming for a Grand Prix.
0: How much... You, you talk about... the uh, Gavin's talked about this before, too, about uh, networking and team building and so on and so forth. How... How do you prepare for a major tournament? Like Dallas, how are you preparing for Dallas?
1: Well, me personally, I'm preparing by, uh, you know, writing more because I'll be doing coverage in Dallas, my friend.
0: Oh, that's right. You're doing coverage. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. But, I mean, usually I play a lot of Magic online. That's usually how I test because, like, to be honest, the players in this area, it's really hard to, like, everyone's within, like, 30 minutes of me or not within but like about 30 minutes for me so it's really hard to get together with people on a regular basis and coincide schedules and like I have a full-time job which to be honest a lot of magic players don't and you know that's that's no that's no fault on them that's just how how it goes like a lot of them are in college or a lot of them are just you know grinding right now and that's that's fine but like you know I have to coincide my schedule with their schedule and like you know it's very it's difficult it's not easy
0: um Chris how do you prepare for tournaments that you participate in
3: well i go to my local store and i play with my friends mostly um i also will one of my jobs i don't actually do anything at so i'll take decks with me and i'll sit there and goldfish with them and play with them and you know see what's working see cards that are not working as well as they could you know figure out what you can replace them with it's you can do a lot by yourself, too. Um,
0: uh, okay, I understand that. It, it's What kind of job do you have where you, you don't do anything? I uh, want that um, job. I want that <laughs> job. <laughs> I think so does Frank, so... <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> uh, I, I push buttons
3: for about three hours.
0: Oh, okay. Great. That sounds like fun. And we have Jack back. Jack, did you lose your internet? Well,
2: Uh, Yeah, I I really need to check out the people at AT AT&T. Like, I I totally take back what I tweeted about earlier.
1: you have to reinforce the the string that
2: the tin can is on? (laughs) Uh, I'm telling you, like, here in North Carolina, you really got to flex your, like, IT tech guy muscle sometimes (laughs) around here. Because I I don't necessarily, like, live up on the mountain where you get absolutely nothing except dial-up. But I'm right at the, like, I can look up to the mountain like it's apparent, basically. And... I, uh, I'm 30 miles from the nearest bout of civilization, if that says anything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to actually have, like, Internet at all. And it just goes down more than a tie hooker. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, nice. it's really terrible.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, uh, so has anyone been to Denver before out of this group? Frank, have you been to Denver?
1: No, that sounds pretty cold
0: pretty cold <laughs> well uh, like frank who's doing coverage down at gp dallas i will be doing coverage this weekend at gp denver and it is it's going to be fun because there's going to be nothing better than having 15 hours plus of me on on your computer this weekend to watch so you know get ready because i'm
2: and rob i'm definitely preparing i'm going to have my cup of folgers a couple of candles burning some sweet music <laughs> so I can it's get really, some gratuitous Rob time I will it's tell really you all
0: I've ever wanted in life I will, t- yeah. I will tell you this <laughs> even though I've been told to avoid this at all costs by some very very important people in magic that actually know what they're doing I am going to have my computer there with me because well first of all I have to be able to make sure that my wife isn't being destroyed by my kids uh, and the second reason is, is I'm going to actually have Twitter up while this is going on so So, I will probably be able to take some questions while on the show in between rounds. Even though I'm saying this right now and I'm hearing voices in my head from certain professional announcers that are telling me, don't do it, don't do it, uh, and you shouldn't do it, uh, that I will probably end up doing it anyways because I don't have a ton of stories to go by. and unless the pros are coming up i'm going to have a really hard time killing dead time in between rounds <laughs> you know so oh. well
2: like what if i don't want to ask you questions but i want to ask rashad questions can i tweet you to tweet him to tweet back to, that we should ask him a question
0: well i'd be more than glad to ask rashad questions while i'm there that's not a problem i'm sure there'll be plenty of time re asking I, rashad questions anyways can
2: can i ask you to ask him to ask him to tweet about something right now then
0: not not now <laughs> He's not,
2: well, t- th- this isn't fair. Well, it t- uh, it's uh, want something very small. I'm sure you can do it for me, okay? You want him to ask Rashad hat. what hat size he wears. Yeah. No, 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 no. no sh- sh- don't let the cat out of the bag. I just <laughs> want to know what hat size he wears, okay?
0: All right. I will try to remember that and ask if... him. <laughs> Get it tattooed. At least, At least you're not asking me his shoe size. But no, 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 because, like,
2: I mean, if, like, there was Rashad shoe bingo, maybe.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, the, the bingo thing, I thought that was a real in, ingenious idea, honestly. I thought that was kind of cool because it shows who's there. The only good thing about it is, I guess I can say this, is that the Taco Master won't have my Twitter account information, so he won't be able to send me messages during the show. Oh, man, that guy is on every time. All the time. I don't know what that guy does for a living or fun, but watching Gigi's Live is like his number one priority in his life. Seriously. It's kind of weird. I don't know how much Gigi's Live coverage you guys watch, but he is always on and he is always commenting about something. And fortunately I found out this year that they don't have the 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 feed of that up on the screen where you can see it. You don't see it anymore. When I was in Toronto, you could see it. Now you don't see it anymore. They don't They don't show it. They don't show it to the people that are doing the announcing. So when someone, a pro, come on and they'll say, oh, talk about this and tell about this story, they don't see it.
1: Oh, so the, so you can avoid the, the Gigi's live trolls now? Yes. Ooh, that's a good feature.
0: <laughs> yes. But now I'll have the Twitter trolls hopefully, so that's fine with me. I'm okay with that.
1: Well, at least that's selective, though. At least you can, like, choose to listen to that. And, that, and it's not public to the
0: world, so. <laughs> yes, that's true. That is very true. That is very true. So, you know, if something comes up and you guys are, lo- are watching and you need to ask a question and I happen to be staring at it, I will be more than glad to answer it for you. I There was a couple people online predicting how many people are going to be there. I believe the last event they had there was, like, A thousand. Any thoughts on a number?
3: Hmm.
2: Considering just
0: conservatively, after Paris, I... just after Paris.
2: Conservatively, I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to eight hundred to a thousand. Okay,
1: and yeah, that's pretty conservative. I would say I would say higher. I I, don't, I was thinking upwards of fifteen hundred to be honest. Ooh. I think people really like this format. I think, especially with *Mirrored and Besieged*. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's a good set. I think it's a good. I think Magic's at a high point, so we'll see.
3: Chris? I'm going to stick in the middle, go with 1,200. I mean, they had 1,000 last time. It's right after Paris. People are going to be wanting to test out these new cargo decks and Boros and all that. And I think it'll be a really big tournament because people will be excited to play after a Pro Tour, you know, seeing what all the pros have been playing.
0: So now I'm going to go back to the Pro Tour event, and Ben Stark has one and topped eight another. And he is basically one third, over one third of the way from potentially being Player of the Year. How difficult is the pressure now going to be on him, considering the fact now he has set quite a high standard for himself?
1: Oh, he's he's definitely POT committed now for the rest of the year. He's like in it. Like, there's no way he can back out and like and like lose that that much of an advantage because like he just, you know, if I if I was in the same position, I would just. I'd be so
0: gung-ho about it. He is... I uh, We're actually going to have him uh, for an interview coming up down the line in Men of Magic. He actually wanted to do it this week, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You just came off of a win on Paris. Enjoy it. Rest up. Go to Denver. <laughs> That's That was our exact <laughs> conversation back and forth on uh, on, on um, Facebook, and it's like, no, 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 no. Seriously. I'll talk to you in Denver. We'll set up a time down the line for this. I... I much rather have him bask in the glory of his win and get readjusted back to American time schedules, and get out to Denver and do well there. He how how the schedule changes, like you said, he has to commit to everything now. You're talking trips to is it Chiba this year?
1: Uh, Nagoya, I think. Nagoya
0: this year. Those aren't cheap. Those are fifteen hundred dollar flights.
1: Yeah, it's true. Right, he'll he'll just win a PTQ. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, he does have
0: 40k to play with, though.
1: Oh, that's true. Yeah. I mean, like we're we're talking about for normal people, when he's got a, a pretty big bankroll that he actually just won from playing Magic. So, and he has the the Atlanta winnings too. Oh yeah, that's so. right.
0: Oh man. I mean, he's pretty comfortable, I think, monetarily. Oh man, I tell you. And and that's a, that's I was talking about that earlier with Ari is the prize money this proportion between the Pro Tour. And these GPs, I mean, it's like you win this tournament, it's 3500 Now, granted, that's not a, not a small amount of money. But it's only $3,500 for, we'll, we'll say, what, 1,200 was Chris, your number? 1,200, right? 1,200 people is yeah, you guess?
3: That's yeah. what I'm going with.
0: So 1,200 times 40. So you figure they're going to bring in over $40,000 in money between hall fees and people fees and blah, 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 all that. It doesn't seem like there's that much money going out the door.
1: And that's people have been complaining about it, too, because, like, it's paying out the same as when there were 500-person Grand Prix. Like, a 500-person Grand Prix and a 3,000-person Grand Prix, you know, where's all the extra money going? Like, that's 2,500 players that have each paid
0: $40. Yeah, that's a lot of money. That's... You
1: know, I mean, even Star City, just this past year, raised their prize payout. So now they're, like, 6.2Ks or something instead of 5Ks, you know? So it's just you know, where's the, where's the increase? Like when do they throw players a bone, you know? No,
0: you know, you don't want to say that, I mean, you could say that prize structure could change due to the amount of entries in the tournament. You could put that little caveat at the bottom, which would probably help considering how many people they had over in Paris this last weekend. Um, That would probably help. Let's look at what else we're talking about here. Um, Is there any suggestions, I guess, uh, for, this weekend, with me doing the coverage outside of lots of water and not to go out to dinner with Conley. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I think what you ought to do, since you are going to be on GGS Live, is wear the finest MTG cast t shirt you can find.
0: You know what? I have gotten into a long, long conversation with my wife about this, and her whole thought about this is, and she's got very valid points for some reason being a teacher she's actually the rational one out of the two of us she said you're going there you're representing Gigi's live you need to wear something neutral that doesn't promote anything because you're there on their thing doing their coverage and I hate to say it but I believe she's probably correct on the thing yeah it might be that is a very valid point. Yeah, I don't really, I mean, I may talk about, you know, different things and different sites and stuff like that, but I don't think it's a, you know, I mean, I can see, like, you know, if Frank would come in and sit down in the booth with us and he's wearing a TCG Player shirt, that's fine. He writes for them. He's coming in, he's sitting down, he's going to talk to us, you know, or if Jerry T comes in wearing a Star City Games shirt, he's coming in, sitting down, talking. Yeah, he should be promoting the material. I'm actually going to be there.
2: Hold on, I've got a shirt for you. Here we go. Uh, And I'm going to put it right up here in the chat windows. yet more Tom tomfoolery that our viewers can't actually see. Let me actually copy and paste it. There we go.
0: And enjoy, Robert. This is, again, thrilling for the thing here. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Actually, you know what? I can read this. I can just edit this. Uh, This is a (laughs) shirt that Jack put up there. That's it. That says, I spent my reward on ale and, well, women uh, of the night. Um, <laughs> with a barbarian and a beer in his hand. Um, very good, Jack. Very, very good.
2: It's a neutral color. It's black. It's, it, it's fashionable. It goes with anything.
0: You know what, It doesn't go with anything. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. So, yeah. Um,
2: what about our suit? Have you given thoughts to a suit, perhaps?
0: You know, I thought about doing the Conley thing and just having the jacket. But then he'd think I'm like psycho stalking him. And I don't really want to do that. <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big guy. I'm I'm a big, tall guy like Conley, but like described on Monday Night Magic, Conley's got this like chest that would like crush me. Oh yeah. You know, and I think I'm a big guy, and I am. And he makes me look small. And it's like, whoa, dude. <laughs> You know,
2: so you, he would only think you were Sega talking to him if he had a ball, like bottle of salsa with you too,
0: and and a, and some baby powder. But he said he signed <laughs> for. Him. Oh,
2: how I badly wanted to just douse him with it when I saw him in Atlanta until I noticed he was wearing a jacket, and I was like, ah, oh, that'd be a bad idea.
0: He always wears that. He always wears a jacket. That's his signature trademark. So no, I thought about that too, and no, my wife shot that down too. She goes, I realize you're a fan of his, but, you know, you don't have to, like, dress like him. And I'm like, no, oh, okay, that bad idea. So uh, any other thoughts that I could use besides bottled water and, uh, you know, since I'm not the one that will go out – I mean, I may go out carousing, but I won't be the one that's downing the stuff. I'll probably be the one driving them. So any other suggestions? I got nothing. Okay. Be yourself, I- man. I do have one small problem. I'm getting out to Denver. As of this time, as of this recording, I don't know where I'm staying. And I don't know how I'm getting from the airport to anywhere. And I don't know how I'm getting in. What are you leaving? Well, Tomorrow? This? I leave Friday night late. Like, I'm getting into Denver at like 945 at night, I believe.
1: It's not looking course, good, Robert. <laughs>
0: It's not looking good. I guess I could walk from the airport to the place and figure out how to get there from then. And then the problem is is getting in would be the other issue.
2: Let's <laughs> well, see, this is classic Magic player, though, because most of the players I know do not plan anything until they are physically in the card making their way to their destination.
0: Yeah, that's true. At least the one thing I found funny with that is, is that uh, um, like Conley, he's having like four people over, and... It's like Chris has got, like, he's getting a hotel room or something like that, and it's like, well, I, I've slept on floors before. I've slept in, I, I remember in college having, we were doing this we were doing this thing up at a campus up there, like we were sleeping all over the place, and then the one guy that uh, ended up sleeping in the shower because he was too drunk to realize which way he was going, and he fell asleep in the shower, which, note to yourself, if you're young in college, do not get drunk in a shower with people that can be very uh, um, vengeful. Yeah. <laughs> and, so other college kids, in other words. Yeah, other college kids, which can have a lot of fun by making you suffer for being in a shower. Uh, I won't say I was involved with it much, um, but I will say it was a lot of fun <laughs> uh, to turn the shower on and then watch him freak out as cold water is going all over him. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, actually, no, I arrive at 9.43 p.m. on Friday. So, I don't
1: know. <laughs> we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I
1: mean, just start, start your networking.
0: I, I already have. I already have. I've At least Chris said that he can come get me if nobody comes get me. So, I'm hoping for the best. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about this week before well, we end r- the
3: show? Real quick before we go to that. Um, yeah. I just look, just looking at the Denver information page, and it says there's a complimentary airport shuttle available between the hotel and the airport.
0: Oh, really? Oh, sweet. That's pretty good. So then I can just camp out there. Excellent. Excellent. So so if you see someone sleeping outside of the hotel before the tournament starts and, and
2: he's wearing a fine jacket.
0: And he's wearing a jacket and he looks like he's lost and he's got a suitcase with him, it's probably the person who's hosting the show, and that would be me. So come on. Robert, Scott. should we
2: like put your name and information on a card to give to a stranger if you like get lost?
0: I mean, it could be one of those bums that's it, you know, we'll work for magic cards. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll work for one blight steel colossus. <laughs> You know, yeah. So, on that note. So, <laughs> <is there, laughs> ending any comments anything, Chris? I got nothing. You got nothing. Jack, what do you got to say?
2: I love Twitter and the internet and humanity, and I'm a very loving person altogether.
0: And you have MTG Radio as one of your biggest fans. So, I was impressed by that. Yeah, I was kind of honored by that. There you go. See? So, not things aren't all that bad. Frank? Uh not nothing,
1: I guess. Ben Stark, congrats to you, sir. It couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, and you've definitely earned that
0: win. He is—I forgot who said that. I think it might have been Chapin that said he is one of the most dangerous drafters in the world. As far as he is, if not the best, one of the best in the world at drafting.
1: Yeah, Ben. Ben has Ben has been has, has Ben's had this win coming for a long time. Like it's it's <laughs> it's due diligence, if you
0: ask me. Now, like I said, it was. And nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with Paul Rietzel. I think he's a great person. Nothing wrong with that. I just can't stand Boros with a passion.
3: <laughs> so I was. I noticed in the show notes it says evil Boros.
0: That's my own personal opinion going into the play there. Because, like I said, I just, as much as that's kind of the reason why I have a problem with the, the uh, legacy stuff. When it's like turn two and I win. It's like, what? I didn't play. What did I do? You know, I mean, I, I like to actually see a match go more than, you know, three, four rounds. Just, I don't know. You know, call me silly. You know, I don't know. But on that note, uh, for those of you that will be watching, hope you check out the coverage this week on uh, live.com. And if you have me as a friend on Twitter, um, you can send messages. I can't guarantee I will be paying attention all the time to them. But if I do get them and they are something that I can legitimately ask somebody and not written in poor English, correct, Jack?
2: Yes, yes, poor
0: English is bad, 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 bad. Poor English is bad. I will do my best to ask the question, and if it's a question to somebody that's there, like, say, a pro, I will try to mention your Twitter name, only because I think it's fair that if it's a question I'm not asking, that the person who's good should get credit for it. And, again... I think all three of you. Frank is always fun. It's always great to get the advice of a pro. Jack, it's always great to have the advice of the most hated man in magic. Chris, Obviously. Chris, it's nice to have someone who actually has opinions that uh, are not unbiased. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and not painted. So we're good with that. So on that note, um, and hopefully we will have the actual host of the show, Tangent, back very soon. And on that... Thank you for listening, and have a great night, and good luck if you're at GP uh, Denver.